You're listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Walkeroosa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to At Home, the podcast. We're glad that you joined us today for this episode. I have sitting in the room with me, Brant Nine, our executive leader, and I have Angie Brenneman, our family ministry pastor here, and we're glad that you joined us. I'm Chris Knight, senior pastor here at the Walker Missionary Church, and we are kicking off a new series, uh, actually did on Sunday, and we're going to take the next three or four weeks and talk about this topic of risk. That's uh, the new series, Leaving Your Comfort Zone in Order to Have Conversations uh, about Jesus with people. This is a risk because it's not something that comes natural, I think, for many of us. Uh, It's probably the one area in the Christian faith that challenges us the most, but it doesn't mean it's not worth the risk. And so that's what we want to have conversations about over these next few weeks. But today we're going to focus in specifically on this idea of why we aren't willing or why we don't take risks. And so that's the conversation for the next 30 minutes. We're glad that you joined us. Let's jump in. Angie. Yes. What do you think is some of the key reasons why we don't want to risk? We talked about some of them on Sunday. Uh, what were your thoughts? Well, we all um, like our comfort. We get a little bit antsy and a little bit nervous when somebody maybe switches our seat up or we have something different um, in front of us. And so we kind of pull back at that idea like, hey. We, we're creatures of habit. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Actually, uh, we joked about it before we push record, but I'm going to go there. Uh, if you oh, are a part of Walk EMC, you're going to walk in next Sunday. So those of you who are tuned into the podcast before next Sunday, you will notice something different. Mm-hmm. We have rearranged the seating. Actually, anybody who sits under the octagon no longer has their seat. It's we, We've joked about it, but it would really be funny to put a camera at the entry when people walk in and they realize, where am I going to sit? Yeah. That's my seat. That's my comfort zone. That's yeah. my seat there. And, mm-hmm. and when we say we reorganized, we, we moved some seats and it was painful to try to get them to line up correctly. And then Denny comes in and he fig- figures it out in like a couple seconds, yeah. right? He's like, guys, what Listen. are you doing? <laughs> but the whole idea is that that is almost like, you know, familiarity, things that um, make us feel comfortable, that just, you know, gives us all that young, you know, warm and uh, fuzzies. It says, oh, I'm in my, you know, I'm at home. I'm in a good place. But risk, on the other hand, gets us a little anxious, makes us want to pull back and um, really maybe not take that next step saying, hmm, I'm going to choose to kind of stay back here. This whole idea about being in your comfort zone, it kind of reminds me of what we do when we go to our marriage retreat. We have 60 some couples there and uh, the first session we let everybody just sit wherever they want to sit. And mm-hmm. then we just mix it up. We draw names out of a hat. We draw numbers, get numbers coordinated to a table. And that creates anxiety in people's life, doesn't it? Because, well, what if I sit at a table with people I don't know? <laughs> No, these are your friends, by the way. Yeah, these oh, are <laughs> y'all go to church together. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. Right, right. Well, one of the good things, and I know that as we start this series that you brought in, is this is this is um, something Jesus talks a lot about in the New Testament, is reaching out and making uh, fishers 
of men and that he gives us this um, definition of how to do it. And it takes a lot of risk and understanding um, that we have to step out of our comfort zone to reach people in relationship. So one of the number one points you brought up is that one of the reasons we don't step out and talk to people is that we don't care maybe about the unchristian or the unbeliever. We maybe choose not to go fishing for that person. When I was working on this, I, I got to thinking about this topic. I think very few people would actually say, I don't care about people who don't know Jesus. I don't think they would verbalize it. Yet our actions show that that is what we actually believe. Yeah, because it seems so like, oh my word, that's not very nice. I would never say that. Yeah, as a Christian. But even in our um, study this last fall with the gals downstairs in James, um, one of the things I just, I kind of prefaced and I said, you guys aren't going to like this very much, but, you know, we're uncomfortable with poverty. We're uncomfortable with people who don't look like us, who don't have the the comforts of our, what we look as necessities Mm -hmm. in life. And... We, everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. We're uncomfortable with that, you know, person who stands, you know, with their sign up saying, hey, I need some food to get by today to feed my family. Yeah, I think we're uncomfortable with some people. And then there's some people we just don't like. And so when you say this idea of I don't care, um, and then one of your points was too often we see people by man-made labels, right? And so, yeah, we have these people in poverty or, mm-hmm. or going through things that make us feel uncomfortable, um, or maybe even it's a different race that makes us feel uncomfortable or a different culture that makes us feel uncomfortable. But then we get into the idea of politics, and then it's not so much discomfort, it's this hatred that comes into play and a reason for not risking, because I don't like those people. And in turn, I don't care about them. And how, how sad is that, right? But I can remember, and I've told this story before, but I remember when we took our family, it was Corbin's senior trip. We went to Washington, D.C., and uh, our family's hanging out downtown, and we're walking from point A to point B. I am the travel agent of the trip. I want to get from Ford's Theater to this next event. This is how we're going to do it, and we're walking. And the amount of homeless people who were asking for money along the way, I just decided, you know what, I'm not even going to engage it. I'm just I'm going to ignore them going to act like they're not even there. Just keep walking. They'll get the picture. I'm sure everybody else does it the same way. And it wasn't until um, I had done this a few times and Brennan's like, dad, and Brennan and I have a really tight relationship, but she's like, dad, what are you doing? Mm. And I remember thinking, what are you talking about? What, what, what are you upset? She was these people, you're ignoring them. They're talking to you. They're having a conversation. You're not even acknowledging them. What if it isn't even about all the money? What if they need to be seen? Mm. And I remember thinking, ow. Yeah. Uh, that, that hit home. Why? Because I was showing to her, I don't care about these people. I don't care about others. I got to get, I got to get to where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I think that's um, a lot to say about the next generation though, that they do have a heart for those people who are in need. Um, I have to say that uh, I sat there a lot, uh, Chris, when I, in 20, um, in 2000, zero, 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 it was the year of the new, you know, everybody thought the computers were going to break down. Yeah, Y2K. And everything was going to like break down. Well, we had a um, trip to India planned that year. And we got on a plane and we went to India. And I experienced poverty. I experienced uncomfortability in a, in a new way. To the point where it almost made me nauseous. Mm. And I will never forget when I sat there and I thought, this is what Jesus is talking about when he says 
the least of these, what you do for them is what you do to me. They, Jesus loves these people. He loved them. And I, I, in myself couldn't be there. Like it was just so hard for me. And I realized, oh my word, how much do I really care about their salvation and what I need to do to um, share the gospel. And just the impact that had on my life really um, opened the, uh, my eyes up to my my faults, the side that I'd like to stay in my comfort zone. I'd like to um, stay with people who are a lot like me, maybe think like me, maybe act like me. And that's not necessarily um, what God's calling us to do when he calls us to be fishers of men. It's usually the people that don't look like us, don't think like us, Mm -hmm. that we need to reach out to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I think about the reason why I don't think people care, I don't care. I don't think, I think it's because our attention has been turned inward. We care about us. We care about me. We care about the things, how we can become the, the best version of us our well-being, not wanting to risk our success for somebody else's success. It's just, it's selfishness in so many ways. Yeah, it is. But I think that goes into that next point, which what you said is it's not a priority for us. And so when we're selfish, it's actually, it's about that song you um, kind of pointed out on Sunday. <laughs> Can you give us a little yeah. taste of what yeah. that song Toby is. Keith, if you're listening... Uh, <laughs> They can. You they can. can. Yeah, yeah. Come on over to Walker Submission. Yeah, that just kind of popped into my head. I think in the service I said I said the word me about three or four times in a row. And all of a sudden that song, I want to talk about me, want to talk about I, want to talk about number one, oh my, me, my, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. Yeah, you're and getting into it. I am. Yeah. And, and I was just like, that is really this idea of being selfish. And so it fit. It wasn't in my notes. I'm not sure I would call it spirit-led, uh, <laughs> but it was led <laughs> nonetheless. <clears throat> but that idea of, of being consumed with me, it's not a priority to me. I don't have time for this. Everything else about my day and my schedule, about me getting from point A to point B is what's priority, and, and others aren't. Yeah, 100%. Brant, what do you think about that? Well, I, I wrote on my notes here, I wrote social media next to that. And and the idea I was thinking about just a little bit ago as we were talking is a lot of people know that social media sometimes consumes us too much, right? Or that it's not good for us. Uh, but why is it a priority? And a lot of times it, it, it's a priority because we don't want to risk not being in the know or we don't want to risk not being known. And so this comes back to the whole, it's about me. Uh, it's, it's not so much about risking going out of our way and, and, and engaging with people as much as it is. I don't want to risk my own, um, I don't know, reputation or the way, the way people, the way people, people view me in this light. Um, which is a lot of times why we don't engage people who, who don't know Christ or who are different than us. It's the same reason, right? We don't want to risk our image. Yeah. So, so let's, let's pick this apart a little differently. I didn't take a ton of time to unpack this on Sunday. We say it's not a priority to me. Again, whether or not we say it out loud or our actions show that, that's, that's in many ways what we're saying. However, this was a priority to Jesus. This was a priority that Jesus said, these are important things for my followers to do. So if it's a priority to Jesus and it's not a priority to, to me, where's this thing broken? I think it's quite obvious, right? It's us that's broken. Why do we not make this important when Jesus didn't offer commands? 
I was suggesting, I think it's because we've become so comfortable with God and our relationship with him. We act as though he's saying, well, listen, I'm, you can choose to do this if you don't. It, it, like, like the Lord is saying, this is optional. Mm. But I don't see anywhere in Scripture where he's making us uh, living a life and, and actually using the words to speak truth to people who don't know Jesus. St. Francis of Assisi, right? This gets quoted all the time by people who don't want to actually evangelize. Uh, They're like, well, you know, St. Francis of Assisi says, or at least attributed to saying, um, you know, share the gospel and if necessary, use words. So basically it's just my lifestyle. People are going to know about Jesus if I smile at them. Man, open your mouth. I mean, what? T- let's get to the point where we tell the truth about who Jesus is. And uh, but when it's not a priority to me, and I'm not willing to risk, then Jesus has called me to that. So don't mm-hmm. I? I mean, I have to. Yeah, you have it's to. It's a command. The word that comes to my mind is it's an interruption. That's why it's not a priority, because relationships with people often take lots of what time. And most of that is that we we look at really hard relationships. It's an interruption to our flow of the daily life. Wait, I want to have a good day. I don't really want to have that conversation today. Mm-hmm. Or I don't really want to go there. I, I have to get to this point. I'm going from point A to point B. And if, you know, this person over here needs my help, I'm sorry, I can't deal with that today. You know, it's an interruption. And I and I just say that because what that priority of that me, my schedule, my my um, goals, my things I'm going to do is an interruption to have people come. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to make that priority that when we people, God gives us people in our life that we have to make time for. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you guys think it's so easy, um, maybe for my generation, Generation Y or Millennial, however yeah. you want to say it, <laughs> uh, why do you think it's so easy for, I guess it's multiple generations, to, to risk online? Because I don't, I don't see a lack of, of risking when it comes to social media and speaking. Oh, everybody's able mind. to say what they want to say. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you think... Why do you think that is? Like, why are why are they? And and I know some of this is obvious, but why is it so easy for us to risk everything online? Some people do. I mean, it comes very back vulnerable. To, it yeah. comes mm-hmm. back to bite them, right? Um, but they're not willing to do it face to face. It's a faux environment. Uh, in some ways, I mean, that's one aspect. Yeah, I also think though, when you get um, person to person, the reality sets in. That I'm actually, I'm, it's easy to text something because you don't have a person you're looking at, you know, like a keyboard, you can say whatever you want. But if I was looking at you to your face, you are a person, you are real. Reality sets in, you're grounded and you are in this moment. And I think it's just like, and I, and I say this is that we have gotten so connected to our devices that, Mm. um, that we we don't even know how to interact and look at each other and mm-hmm. meet face to face, eye to eye, and say, I love you, or hey, let's work this out, or let's, you know, make an effort here. Yeah. And um I, I that's just what I would say, because it has to be person to person. That's what Jesus calls us to. It goes back to that discomfort I think you mm-hmm. were talking about at the beginning too. It's like it's uncomfortable when it's a human being face to face right in front of me. But if I can hide behind a screen or if I don't have to engage this person face to face, 
it takes the humanity out of it. Yeah. Uh, right. I, and, and I read this at different times about warfare and modern warfare versus ancient warfare. In ancient warfare, you had to be within contact. You had to be a knife, a spear, a sword. You have to look them in the eye. Nowadays, with bombs and uh, sniper rifles and things like that, you're not having to live in the humanity of that conflict. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the social media side of things in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm picking at somebody, but I'm not having to look at them in the face mm-hmm. and tell them to their face. Yeah, and, and even in that social media or whatever, it has a broader impact than just that one person. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we forsake that yeah. um, idea that, oh, this is only between me and that other person. Oh, no. nope, yeah. sorry, that's wrong. It's between many people. Many people can say, I was offended by that, or I that right. didn't make me feel good. Hey, I know that person doesn't like me, you know, if that's right. the way they think. And so we just have gotten to this point where um, we're disconnected in like in our culture, mm-hmm. in our relationships with people. And so that's why it's not a priority. It's easier to be isolated. And Satan wants to keep us isolated and disconnected because when we're in relationship with people and we're connecting, guess what? Kingdom of God kind of gets changed. Mm-hmm. It does. You know, if we move on to another one uh, that was listed on Sunday is, I don't feel competent enough to risk having a spiritual conversation with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. I'm not competent enough. We, how have we gotten to this point? Uh, is it, I, I, and this is a genuine question, I, I don't know that I have the answer to how we've gotten to this point. Uh, other than, ha, is it through other aspects of life and education? Maybe we've been made to feel like you you aren't smart enough uh, because I wasn't a straight-A student or I wasn't that, so I'm probably not competent enough. Uh, have others made us feel this? How do we get to this point where we're not feeling competent? I think Brant's going to speak to this too, is that we've become a professional society. So guess what? When you need a plumber, guess who you call? A plumber. Or when you need an electrician, you call an electrician. And so in the classroom, you even begin as early as seventh and eighth grade. What do you want to do with your life? You know, you would say that into the junior hires. You got to start choosing a track or place. And I think our society has said, well, guess what? We're also going to professionalize evangelism Mm -hmm. and discipleship. Well, you do that when you come to church on Sunday. You do that in Sunday school. Or wait, here, you go, you know, talk to our pastor and he'll teach you what to do and, you know, listen to his sermon. And I just think that a lot of times we set back and we have not taken our faith and said, wait, this is this call to um, go out and make disciples? Wait, it's not to Pastor Chris Knight. It's to me too. It's to every one of us. Yeah, you need a you need an introduction. You need an opinion statement. You need three reasons, and you need three examples to support each reason. And then you need a counterclaim, and you need a rebuttal, mm-hmm. and then you need to button that thing up with a conclusion, right? And if we go into mm-hmm. life and we look at every scenario that way, if I don't have my three reasons and my three examples to support my three reasons, and if I don't know the counterclaim you're going to throw my way and have a rebuttal ready to come back at you, then I'm just not even going to engage. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we're teaching kids, you know, we're not indoctrinating kids in this way, right? That is a good opinion essay structure. But the problem is, is that we go through life and we, we get held back because we're thinking about all of the what ifs. We don't want to look bad. We don't want to tell people, I don't know right now, but 
give me a couple of days and let's talk, let's keep talking about this. We live in a society that it's not an opinion essay unless I'm right. It's not my, my faith unless I can prove it. Right. And so if I can't prove it to you with all these examples and all these resources, references and all these resources and this, these quotes from these books, if I can't prove it to you in this moment right now, then I'm not even going to try. And I think it's really intimidating when you say that too, to me, I'm saying, oh yeah, I forgot. That's really what you're supposed to do with the essay paper, but it is. And it's so people get intimidated by rather than saying, Hey, you know what? I care about you. I care about where you're going and, um, you know, you knowing about Jesus and Mm -hmm. it's just that simple. (laughs) It became it, it in our faith and our relationship with Christ. It is less of a structure and more of a relationship. And, and I think that sometimes people get those those things mixed up and they think it's got to be all, all of the, all, all of this, this black and this white structure versus there's some gray area where it's just relationship. And, and your, your, your objective is not to convince people in mm-hmm. every single scenario. Your objective is to love them and, and, and to do life with them. And hopefully by the words you speak, by the truth you speak and by your actions, um, that those seeds eventually do blossom. Yeah, and that's exactly what the home is for Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what's happening with a parent and a child relationship because we don't have textbooks to say go in here or go in there. And so oftentimes we feel like, oh, I'm so incompetent as a parent. Wait, what do I do? How do I even talk to my kid about Jesus? How do I lead him in the right direction here? And yet it is, it's that relationship. Well, let's look in this together. Let's answer this question together. What does Jesus say about that? Mm -hmm. And it's just a really simple journey together Mm -hmm. and that it's about the relationship, not just about the answer. You know, I never really thought about it until just now. If you go back to the two we just previously talked about, um, take this into consideration. Uh, If I'm not competent or feel confident, competent in something, uh, let's say it's basketball, right? Grew up as a basketball player, grew up in a basketball home. If I didn't feel competent enough, then I made it a priority to become competent. And I made it um, uh, something that I was going to care very much about. So that means I put in the practice mm-hmm. to become competent. And so sometimes if we look at it like this, if, if this is important enough to me uh, to know how to have a conversation with people who don't know Jesus, if it's important enough for me to become competent, I will make it a priority. Mm-hmm. I will care. Mm-hmm. As, I, I don't know I why I just know. never connected yeah. those two before. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's I think great. that's a really big point. Yeah. I think the last one too, though, is kind of what we've alluded to throughout all three of these, mm-hmm. which is we get afraid. Yeah. Um, yeah, the very the very interesting thing, if you go back into the beginning of the message, when I was looking at defining risk, as I saw a lot of different definitions. The thing that really stood out the most when it came to risk, there was two common directions the topic went. And one was its uncertainty is linked to risk. Uh, well, what if this happens or what if that happens? But also loss, the idea of loss. If I, I might lose something if this happens, and that is risk. When it comes to being afraid, isn't mm-hmm. that really what you're saying is why we are afraid is it's risky. We may lose something. We may lose a friendship or relationship, but we also, we have no one's, we have no certainty. If I open my mouth, this may cost me. And I don't know if I want to, we start counting the cost in our mind. I don't know if I want to pay that price. 
Right. But I'm going to counter that and say, it's also counting the cost on what happens if that person doesn't know Jesus. And so this is the two different mindsets that I mentioned, even as we were beginning to talk about is that fixed mindset and that growth mindset. How are you going to be? Are you going to look at it like, wait, too much loss, too much? I'm going to do damage control. I'm going to kind of stay in that fixed mindset. Or do I look at it and I'm going to go growth? I'm going to look at the possibilities of what this relationship can be and where it can go in um, eternity. When I think about the risk, though, the reward is impressive. It's important. We're sitting around this table because people risked. And if we start to button some of this up, um, I'm, I'm sitting here today, the product of a pastor in LaGrange who risked, others who took notice of my dad and risked. Uh, I'm a product because somebody risked. That should make me all the more passionate about personally risking because of the change it's made in my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we were talking before we started this podcast about, you know, this idea of the one that Chris is that Chris is bringing to us in this series um, and, and reaching out to the one and, and doing life with the one in your life who, who may not know Christ. And I, I just listed some names of the people who I was their one uh, while I was growing up. And, and just real briefly, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, generationally, my grandparents did not know Christ. There was some Catholicism background on my mom's side. There was nothing on my dad's side um, that I'm that I'm aware of, and and so my parents, you know, there was no value system in that. I, I think I did get picked up by the Baptist bus occasionally when I was mm-hmm. a kid, um, but besides that, it was it was Bible release time, honestly, in Wani. Um, that that's where I that's where I heard truth primarily. But as I got older, it was it was clear uh, middle school age that I did not know Jesus as my personal savior. Um, and so there were people in the community, neighbors. And then when I started going to youth group just to have fun, um, uh, small group leaders and things like that, who uh, and people like that, excuse me, who were investing in me, they saw me and, and I was their one person that they were going to engage with. Um, I think of Neil Yoder um, and Todd Gangwer and Lisa Loniger, uh, all people from this community who took time to invest in me relationally, uh, invited me over for meals and allowed me to be part of their family, who gave me my first Bible, who uh, challenged me with scripture. And when I made decisions, I, I'll never forget, there was one decision I made and Todd Gangwer looked me right in the eyes and he goes, think about how this is going to impact your testimony going forward. And I still chose the, the the wrong decision, right? And then when when all was said and done, I looked back and I thought, man, that did have a negative light on my overall testimony. But God can still use this for good, and he and he did. Um, but people like that who were constantly engaging with me about um, Jesus and sharing truth with me before I even believed, and I was their one. They took a risk on me. I wouldn't be here today, you know, mm-hmm. a part of a church staff. Um. It just goes back to, you know, God doesn't call the qualified, right? He qualifies the called. And you guys have said that to me over and over again. Um, It's just pretty remarkable how God has been there the whole time working it all for his good. Mm-hmm. And I and I think Brant to share even more on this whole idea of one that the, we have to understand, listener, that this is a relationship you have for the sake of relationship. It's not just going out and say, "Well, I'm going to make sure this person knows Jesus, yeah, and I'm going to you know bash him over the head." Project, right? right it's not yeah. a project; it's a relationship. And there's two types of ones. There's the people that don't know Jesus, but mm-hmm. there's also the people that you bring further mm-hmm. towards 
um, in their journey with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I say this, it's kind of a discipleship relationship because that's one of the people that made an impact in my life that said, hey, I'm going to care about this person and I'm going to invest in this person, this young girl who maybe has, you know, some questions or still journeying with Jesus, but I'm going to help them walk further along. And I say that because to have both of those keeps us sharp in our own personal relationship with Jesus, to not just think about the person who doesn't know Jesus, but to also disciple somebody mm -hmm. who's walking towards Jesus. Mm -hmm. And man, for me personally, that those two things, that that's a challenge daily. Who am I having relationship with for the sake of the relationship in those two areas? Mm -hmm. It's important principle, uh, not just necessarily a lost person, but someone who's stuck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Somebody who has the ability. And, and quite frankly, and, and I'm just going to be really candid, uh, you guys can quote me on this who are listening, uh, churches in America have a lot of stuck people. Uh, we've accepted Christ, but we're just stinking stuck. Mm -hmm. And we attend church, kind of. When the average when the average church attendance is under twice a month, literally like one point whatever, we're stuck. Like, it's not about attending church. It's about a relationship with God. I understand that. And yet, it's we're not a priority. We're not thirsty. Yeah. That's what it we're stuck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So who are we going to have relationship with this week? Yeah, so there's our challenges. We begin to button this up. My challenge to you is begin asking the Lord, Lord, who's my one? Who do you need me to have a conversation with? Who do you need me to risk having a relationship, living and engaging in a relationship with who doesn't know you. God called us to this. He's commanded us to do this. We've given all kinds of reasons. Don't care. It's not a priority. I'm not competent enough. I'm afraid. Uh, but I'm challenging you, the listener, those who follow Jesus, what are you going to do to risk this week to have a relationship with somebody who doesn't know Jesus? Folks, that's it for today. Uh, I think that's a lot to have a conversation about, and I think you have a lot to pray about in this week to come. We hope you join us next week. We are here as a church. If we can help you on your journey at all, let us know. And in the meantime, we wish you all the grace and peace that's only found in Jesus Christ. At Home, the podcast is produced by the Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org and clicking on the At Home tab. Thanks for listening.